0: Hello everybody. This is my first official episode of my podcast. I actually recorded this already. (laughs) I recorded it a few days ago and I was just getting permission from everybody I had mentioned and I wanted to make sure I had the facts from my mom and I didn't. So I'm so glad that I followed up because I definitely do not want to be spreading misinformation. I want to try to be as authentic and genuine on this podcast as I possibly can be. And yeah, just giving you the real stuff, telling you the truth. I don't know how to lie. So honesty is my super superpower. And yeah, I... I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to say that I'm going to say that there's a trigger warning right now. This episode is all about my life even before I was conceived, how my parents met and up until now. So, just a trigger warning, there is some I will be briefly talking about physical abuse in case that makes anybody feel uncomfortable. I want to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into when you're listening to this. Not that the, it's a laughing matter. The first time I recorded this was an hour and a half. So I have a feeling it's going to be about that same time. And also, I'm before I started the podcast, the reason I was more hesitant about the podcast was really because I didn't want to edit it. <laughs> I think that's super daunting having to edit a podcast And my friend said, you know, just do one shot. And that's what I'm doing is it's going to take, it's going to be one take, no editing, just stream of consciousness. And I didn't want to go back and take out the part that I had said in the previous podcast, because I don't want to edit this. The most appealing part of this is that I don't edit it. And it makes it a lot less work. Even though I have to recreate the hour and a half, that's perfectly fine. It's for a reason why I'm doing this again. And that's perfectly fine. So, yes, I am Lizzie. I am pretty new on my healing journey. And this first episode is to introduce yourself, me, to you. Uh, I want you guys to really get to know me and know... Who is the voice behind this podcast? Because it's something I'm super passionate about. I love journaling. I love video journaling. And this will be a really great avenue for me to fill up my cup and hopefully fill up everybody else's cup. You know, in this episode, I'm going to be talking all about myself, like I said, and how I got here and all of that. It'll obviously be the shortened version because I could spend a lot longer than an hour and a half talking about this, but I'm going to try to make it, make it as short as possible with giving you as much information and context as possible. So I also have some notes, some points that I really want to touch on, and we're going to go in chronological order to even before I was born. So if you hear any pages flipping, that is my notes. <laughs> So the first thing I have is how my parents met. And my parents were actually both 25, and I'm 25. <laughs> and my, my dad was in the Navy, and my mom was actually trying to go into the Navy. And they were both in Texas at a club and both grinding on each other and that's how they met my mom was actually trying to get into the military i think she was trying to get into the navy as well but she didn't pass her drug test which i find so funny but i'm because if you if you do drugs and you know that there's a drug test and if you're passionate about it probably do something to mitigate that regardless of how antiquated that is the dr- the drug test part but Um, I'm still obviously very thankful that she went through with it and was still trying to get into the military because I definitely would not be here. So that is how they met was at a club. And my. So so they met at a club. Of course, I I don't know all the details. I wasn't there. (laughs) These these details are provided from my mom and her memory, and I'm relaying back to you with the memory that I have, and trying to be as honest as I possibly can. So basically, my mom was in Texas, and my dad was back in Connecticut. And my mom actually grew up in Connecticut as well, but she was living in Texas. And my dad cared for my mom a lot and was very persistent about her moving back to Connecticut from Texas. And kept you know just being very persistent about that about him wanting to be with her or him wanting her to be with him and finally my mom moved up to Texas I actually just talked to her about this story so this is probably as accurate as I'm as I'm gonna get it my mom finally gave in and she went to Connecticut And as soon as she got to Connecticut, she found out that my dad was married. Of course, my dad did not tell her this because I think my mom kept reiterating she would never be with a, she would never mess around with a married man. And he tried to keep it a secret, but couldn't for very much longer. Because the next day, a 16 wheel Mack truck full of both of their belongings came to his house and it seemed that he was withholding those items from the wife. And my mom, my mom moved up to Connecticut, right? And they were having hate sex. Well, I don't want to say hate sex. They were both mad at each other. And basically after that, my mom's like, that's the last time you're ever going to do that with me. And they conceived me. (laughs) Thank goodness. And that's That's how they got pregnant with me. Actually, so after, after they did things that night, my mom, oh, so their relationship was not healthy. If you can already tell it was not healthy whatsoever. And the reason I'm bringing this up is to prove is to provoke thoughts in you guys. And if Any of this resonates with you, it's important to bring this stuff up instead of sweeping it under the rug because it's not healthy to do so. And it's important to express yourself and bring these things to light. It is uncomfortable to talk about, but I think it could help me talking about this is really to help others feel comfortable about talking about this themselves. So this is where the trigger warning comes in. My, so the first thing is that after they were doing stuff and they made me, my mom was like, you're never gonna, we're never going to do this again. I hope you enjoyed it. That's it. My dad took a gun into the bathroom and threatened to kill himself. And that's where the manipulation, as far as I know, that's where the manipulation started. And, uh, yeah, no, not a great way to go about it, but I just want to provide more context to their tumultuous relationship. I I love them both very much still. And they had so many lessons to learn, especially being together. I think that they learned a lot of lessons together, but basically they, they were trying to make it work and it just wasn't working. Especially after I was born, they were on and off constantly and one thing that my that my mom told me that always stuck with me was they were fighting and my mom was taking a shower and I believe my dad came home from work and was choking her in the shower. And that that story always sticks with me and you can you can say, "Oh, you shouldn't be telling your kid about this." You know? I am twenty five, I'm an adult, and in my opinion, I think honesty is the best policy. And if if you of course however you're you're gonna feel, you're gonna feel and you're totally justified in whatever whatever you feel and all feelings are valid, but to me, if something if there's something that you don't want your kid to know, maybe that shouldn't have been done in the first place. But of course, everything happens for a reason. And I'm sure my mom, you know, her lesson in that was, okay, wow, I don't wanna be with someone like this. So when I think of that moment about the shower, visualizing it hurts my heart so bad. But my mom was just such a vulnerable, in such a vulnerable place, you know? She had me, I don't know how recently in this chain of events, but she was vulnerable. She literally was in the shower in a compromising position. And my dad just exerted his force on her. And it just makes me, makes me so sad. And I know she's not the only one who has experienced something like this. And I just want to bring this up. I just want to bring this to light and just just say that this is not okay. Relationships like this are not okay. If you feel that you're in a relationship that is not healthy, you're not alone. (sighs) That is for sure. And actually, my, my partner was telling me, you know... Don't they say like one in three women have experienced abuse by the time they're 25. And I was thinking to myself, are you kidding me? A hundred percent, you know, a hundred percent, whether that's physical, mental or emotional abuse. I think that we don't talk about it enough. So that is my intention in bringing this up. My intention is not to hurt anybody. So when I, when I originally recorded this episode, I actually wasn't sure if I should even bring those things up. You know, I have a couple of coaches and one coach asked me if it was harmful or hurtful. And another asked me to do a guided meditation so I can drop into my heart and see what my heart tells me. Because when you're in between two decisions, that's your brain telling you, that's your brain coming and seeing different sides of you. Right. So, even though I love my dad, right. And I want the best for him. I'm not willing to compromise leaving that out because I think it could, it could help a lot more people. So that is, that was a huge reason why I was so torn between, torn on posting this episode because I wasn't sure if I wanted to say that stuff and include that stuff because it is controversial and could stir up some family stuff, you know, but, I realized that I'm not here to please my family anymore. I'm here to serve myself as well as the rest of humanity. So not to, not to put myself, I'm not on a pedestal whatsoever, but I'm, my goal is to help others. And I think including that would be very helpful. So that is the context between that. And, basically that is where the manipulation started i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back to when my dad was in the bathroom took a gun and was threatening to kill himself all right so that's when the abuse was starting hardcore hardcore manipulation was starting and of course that night i was conceived And it's actually super crazy. I will get into what I think about that. But I genuinely think that I chose my parents. But we'll get back into that. I don't want to go on too many tangents. So basically, of course, my mom and my dad's relationship was not healthy. Right? They were on and off. I think they broke up. Finally, maybe when I was two years old, I think they were trying to make it work. My my mom, I love you so much, mom, but she had fairly low self-worth and didn't realize what she deserved. And I think that after being with my dad, I think she was able to better grasp what she deserved. But... Big, big learning lessons. So basically there was a custody battle after they broke up. There was a lot of resentment and. Deceit. And just a lot of negative, negative things and transpiring between them. And it was super vindictive. That's the word I was looking for. was vindictive. And my mom is not perfect either. I'm not saying that I was completely one-sided, but yes, physical physical abuse is never okay. Abuse is really never okay. But you know that is what makes us humans, or that's what makes us us is our trauma. So that's I guess that's really what this whole story is about is exp- explaining what my trauma is to you listeners and how I have coped with that and turn that into opportunities for growth. So there was a nasty custody battle. My my mom basically represented herself. She was her own lawyer. She's not a lawyer, but my mom was advocating for me to live with her full time and I don't I think parts of her were like, ugh, I don't know if I want her to live with her dad at all. I mean, I can't blame her whatsoever, but I'm so glad that she didn't keep me from my dad. But basically, one day after daycare, my mom's, the the people at daycare noticed that there was a mark on my bum, and it looked like a handprint on my butt. And basically, my dad was saying, oh, I was being really cranky or whatever. And he, you know, spanked me because I wasn't behaving in a way that he wanted. (laughs) So I think that's really the determinant. I'm not going to say that for sure, because I'm not totally sure. But I believe that's what helped the judge make his decision for me to live with my mom full time and me to live with my dad part time. So I live with my mom Pretty much all the time, except for every other weekend, I would go to my dad's house. And my dad lived in Cape Cod in Massachusetts, and I lived in Connecticut. So it was about two and a half hour drive one way. I was also an only child, if you can't tell. So I was so, so lonely, but we'll get into that later. But basically, I would spend every other weekend with my dad and I would spend the summers with my dad. And I do have to commend him. He would drive me. You know, he would pick me up Friday after school, drive two and a half hours that way, two and a half hours back. And then Sunday, he would drop me off. So he did drive 10 hours every other weekend, which is impressive. And we did make a lot of good memories on those drives. Of course, also the not so amazing things that I was talking about earlier. I wasn't told that until fairly recently. I wasn't, I didn't find out about this in the in the order that I'm going. (laughs) So, I was an adult when I was told this. Those things, and basically. Basically, my mom and I, you know, mother daughter relationship, especially as a as an only child and my mom pretty my mom mostly worked from home. And she worked in her bedroom, actually, from what I remember, and she didn't have a lot of other people to talk to except for me. And I was basically her best friend and not her daughter. So the line was very, very blurry. There was no boundaries from either of my parents. And I'll go into why I didn't have any boundaries with my dad. But with my mom, she basically treated me like a best friend. And I I completely forgive her for this. So mom, if you're listening, I forgive you. And it's completely fine. Everything happens the way it happens. And everything happens for a reason, I think. And... Yeah. Even the little nuances. So being a best friend, I didn't really learn how to respect my mom until I was much older. Honestly, until very recently, I wasn't able to respect my mom because she didn't really show me how to respect my mom. And not many, I don't think anybody really did. And I didn't really know what it was like to have a mother-daughter relationship. I only knew what it was like to have a sister or a best friend. Because I love my mom, but she did, she did share things with me that a mom wouldn't typically say to her kid. And that's where the lack of boundaries really stems from. And all of the anger and frustration that occurred during work She never really, we didn't leave the house very much, but because I was the only other person in the house, it would always be taken against me. And I was always, I was always wishing I would have a sibling so that they could also take some brunt, some of, some of the frustration from her because I had to take the brunt of all of it. And I felt very lonely. And Oh, just unseen and unheard. And it was, it was sad. It was a very tough time with me and my mom and it wasn't easy for her either. You know, she wasn't only, um, not only, she was a single mom working and providing for me struggling. That's, I really saw a lot of struggling with her financially, emotionally, socially, all the things. And I, my mom did the absolute best she could. And I love her so much for that. Everybody's really doing the best that they can. And my dad, my dad was my hero. All right. I didn't see him very often. He didn't take out too much of his anger on me because I didn't see him that much. And he right, he always knew the right things to say. He was always the smartest person in the room. He was always the most outgoing personable, made everybody feel good, and just knew a lot, had a lot of knowledge, and he was my very first role model, and I'll get into that a little bit later. So I'm going to go into my dad buying me my cell phone at the age of 13. The caveat with this cell phone was that I had to call him every single day. He wanted to, you know, know how my day was, have some sort of control over me, though he was miles and miles and miles away. So that is the cell phone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that later. <laughs> so my dad being my hero, right? The day that ended actually was the day he told me that he smoked weed. And I was so against drugs, especially, you know, the war on drugs and D.A.R.E. the D.A.R.E. program at my school. I was such a such an innocent kid. And my I knew my mom smoked and I knew my family smoked. And I just thought it was so, so bad. You know, thinking back to it, it's. What you don't know is what scares you. So, of course, you're going to be terrified of things that you don't know, that you have no knowledge of. So, when when my dad told me that, that is the day that he stopped being my hero. And basically, my dreams were shattered. It sounds super cheesy, but it's so true. Little Lizzie was heartbroken. And it's funny because I smoked weed Almost every day up until very recently. <laughs> and I'll get into that too. But. I was noticing a lot of. A lot of things with my dad. If I ever. Spoke my truth. Or told him how I was feeling. And if it was different than what he was feeling. I would always be the problem. It wasn't okay for me to have. An opinion other than him. Other Other than. An opinion that matched his. And I I briefly talked about I'm gonna segue <laughs> this is my first episode, so please bear with me. But I'm gonna segue into my later teenage years when I was about sixteen, I started dating my first boyfriend in high school. And we were so so close. It was not perfect, that's for sure. We had a lot of fun together, but I was so controlling and I only ever wanted to be with him. I lost a lot of friendships because of because I didn't want to dedicate my time to anybody else but him. And it took me until that relationship ended to figure out that that wasn't the best thing to do. But basically, we were together for three years, and I really thought we were going to get married. And I, I knew in my soul that he was my person. So one day, I haven't seen him for a few weeks. Things had come up. I, I was in Florida, and then I got sick that week, and I didn't see him. And I'm actually walking into therapy with my mom. My mom and I went to therapy, and that was very good. It was the best timing that we went to therapy. I think it was the first therapy session, and I look down on my phone and I get a text from him that says, "We need to talk," and that's never good. <laughs> and basically, a, a text or two later, he tells he texts me that he's breaking up with me, and I'm basically ghosted there and then with no explanation as to why he was breaking up with me, and that was so difficult for me (laughs) that was I that again I did not have any friends I abandoned them because I was so devoted to him and I didn't see a world outside of him I lost myself when I was with him so when he broke up with me I was so lost that was my rock bottom I feel so sad for little Lizzie because she was so alone. She was even more alone than when she was with her mom and dad and being an only child. And I was so desperate. I I literally would call him begging for him to take me back, saying, I will do anything. I would change anything, whatever I can do to be with you. And he wasn't having it. And looking back. I'm so thankful that that happened. It was the worst thing that probably ever happened to me when it was happening to me. But looking back, I'm so thankful that he did that because I would have never been able to break up with him. And my life would look so different right now. So that was wild. And my my dad also did not like him. So that was that was another thing. But... Yeah, I'm going to move on to my next relationship. Who, actually, he was a square like me, never did any drugs or drank. We weren't actually, we were exclusive, but we didn't have any titles or anything. But, basically, he was a square like me, and I had a roommate who was pressuring me to start smoking, And I didn't want to because I was terrified because I didn't know what it was about. And then here comes this square that I'm starting to see who is saying, oh, I'll try that. And that is basically when I was introduced to my first first plant medicine weed at the age of 20. And basically up until, well, from age 20 to a month or so ago, I was smoking every single day. And it's wild that I was smoking every single day for that long. I convinced myself that I needed it for sleep, but we'll we'll definitely get more into that later. Uh, after that relationship, eh, I don't mean, it was a relationship. Every every person that I interact with, it's a relationship. But after that had ended, maybe a few. Maybe half a year goes by, and I meet my person. I wasn't expecting to meet him. My, a mutual friend of my roommate's, who actually, he is a mutual friend of my roommate's, but his friend was having a dinner serving pulled pork sandwiches, and I really didn't want to go. And my roommate just kept, kept being persistent and telling me, let's go to this. And I went. And there was this guy who just kept following me around like a little puppy dog. And we were both flirting with each other. And, oh, my gosh, he was so cute. And that is my current partner, Cameron. And I was not expecting it. So if you, I mean, well, first of all, it really helps to be whole as a single person. Loving yourself and being, being your first It sounds weird. Your first partner. Being there for yourself and being whole by yourself, I think is so important. Not that I was whole by myself when I met him, but this is just a message saying nobody needs anybody. All you need is yourself. But when I met my person, I just had no idea that it was happening. I didn't, I wasn't looking for anybody. And It was just so wild how that happened. So Cameron and I, we moved in pretty, pretty shortly after we got together, maybe three months, and we've been living together ever since. So I'm going to go back to that cell phone because, of course, the caveat with the cell phone was I needed to call my dad every single day. Well, in college, I wasn't able to do that. I had a life. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't have time to be doing that. I had a lot of homework. I had other obligations. I had friends, other things going on. And I then started to, if you hear mowing in the background, that's, that's actually Cameron who is mowing the lawn. But basically, we switched to every other day starting in college, so I would have to call him every other day to keep my cell phone. This Our relationships were getting more and more tense. I was going to a liberal arts college studying accounting, and of course the more fascinating subjects were outside of accounting. I was taking a sociology class. Love so- sociology. And basically my professor was teaching us about the disproportionate I'm trying to think of the correct word but the disproportionate numbers of people of color black people and Latinos in jail versus the amount of white people in jail and it was so clear as day to me the innate racism I don't want to make this a political a political podcast but i feel like this information is pertinent into my store pertinent for my story and i was seeing the injustices <laughs> of this country all right and seeing how jail is basically slavery but a different name and the inequality that we see and Basically, actually, one one exercise that we did on the very first day of the sociology class, everybody wrote down what they ever did that was illegal. It was anonymous, even though I'm pretty sure they can't really do that. But it was anonymous, and you write down all the things that you do that, that you have done that were illegal. And assuming that you didn't end up in jail because you're in college and you're not in jail right now, You didn't have to face any consequences. So basically, everybody wrote down something. Everybody wrote down something. Everybody's done something illegal that could end them. That they could end up in jail. But she was just showing that. That everybody has done shit that is illegal. Yet, the numbers that are... The amount of... The amount of people of color that are in jail is completely disproportionate to the, to like real life, you know? So I was just seeing that. And I was just seeing how jail was, uh, it was actually the first class was actually called juvenile delinquency. And the reason for prison or juvenile centers, I'm, I'm totally blanking on the word right now is to rehabilitate the person so that they can go back into normal society and live their lives. That was the whole purpose of jail was rehab. And of course, it's not, that's not what's happening. The recidivism, I think that's the rate, that's the word, recidivist rate is wild. Basically, the chances of you going to jail and coming out, there's, so, there's such a good chance that you're just going to go back. And it's just this constant, constant cycle, this hamster wheel. And I was just seeing it plain as day in front of my face and saying, you know, telling my dad basically of my new revelations. And he was in the Navy, like I said, so he's very, very patriotic and doesn't recognize that there is an innate racism, racist issue in America. And that's where our differences started to come up because I was learning a lot of different things in college. Ironically, he, he very much pressured me into going to school. (laughs) But anyways, that was when we started to disagree. I think before this we had, so my dad and my stepmom they got married when my stepmom was 25 and my dad was 40 so they had a they had a big age gap in between them which is perfectly fine but they did get married without me knowing about it and me and my stepmom have had such a difficult challenging relationship and anyways, my my mom, my stepmom was actually living in California, living in L.A., and my dad was visiting L.A. to see his cousin and they met. And they my dad obviously flew back to Massachusetts and they they took a year where my stepmom was still living in L.A. They were just dating long, long distance and then they got married and she moved over to Massachusetts. So since her family is all still in LA, they basically visit maybe once a year, at least once a year, and I have visited with them once before. I went with my granny actually went and that's when I realized that my granny is a very good buffer. But basically I went to LA and Vegas and I was with my partner at the time Cameron And was just so not looking forward to this trip. You know, my person is back at home on the other side of the country while I'm going with my dad and my stepmom and my sister. I had a baby sister who we all went to L.A. and Vegas. And it was just the worst, most miserable week of my life. I this is totally first world problems. And I totally acknowledge that, but I was basically sleeping in the living room while everybody had their own individual spaces and I was sleeping in a living room. And this was when I was smoking every day because I thought I needed it to sleep. And at this point I definitely did need it to sleep. And this is the first time in years that I hadn't been able to smoke because I didn't want my dad to know I want, even though my dad smoked, I wanted my dad to think I was this perfect angel, princess, all right? So I didn't tell him. And when we would go to sleep, first of all, the time change. Second of all, we would go to bed at, say, two in the morning. Or maybe we'd go, we'd head to bed for midnight, but I wouldn't be able to sleep until very late, and in the morning, my sister, my baby sister wakes up early, would go into the living room and wake me up. Everybody would make wake me up. So I basically was super sleep deprived. There was a lot of passive aggressiveness going on with my stepmom towards me. It seemed like I was really unwanted on the trip and unappreciated, though I was helping with the baby. Basically, because of the sleep deprivation, I was feeling nauseous the entire time. Like I felt like I was on the verge of throwing up, even though I never did. I just felt like it. It was awful. Awful. And we, we went to Vegas as well. We actually stayed in, I think it's called Excalibur. It's the pyramid. And we were staying in the pyramid and I was still so nauseous at this point that the, so it's a pyramid, right? And the elevator would literally go diagonal like in Willy Wonka it went diagonal and I was I just remember being especially nauseous on those elevator rides but anywho in Vegas I remember being frustrated with Cameron because I just felt so lonely that I didn't feel like I was getting enough for enough of a response from him And I didn't feel like he was there for me. Obviously, not physically there, but even emotionally there for me. And I was expressing this to my dad. Me and my dad were so close. So close. Uh, I would tell him anything. We were also best friends, but there was a little bit more of boundaries there. But basically, not enough boundaries for him. I was basically just wanting to vent and vent about my partner. And he was just telling me, you need to do this. You need to do this, this, and this. And I was just saying, I was just like, dad, I love you, but I'm really not trying to ask for advice. I'm really just trying to vent to you because I felt so lonely. I needed someone to talk to just to listen to me and be heard and be seen because my partner wasn't doing that. I was hoping my dad would be able to at least listen to me vent or let me vent to him. And basically he was giving me advice on this relationship and no offense, no one knows more about me and my relationship than I and my partner do. So if I just, if I'm not asking for advice, I don't want it, (laughs) especially if it comes to my partner, because you have no idea. No one has no idea what my relationship was like unless I tell you and you're living it. So I wasn't really about taking advice and I'm very honest. So I was telling him, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And he was just so, my dad is a very angry person as well. He's very scary when he yells and it almost seems like he's forming into another person and it's terrifying and it could be at the drop of a hat. You just don't know. It could, it's like a light switch. So basically that was happening and I had nowhere to go. I didn't even have a room in the hotel and I was just running around the hallways, just trying to find space for myself. And that was, whew, that was a really lonely time. Fast forward a couple of days, we go back to LA and we're going bowling and me, my stepmom is so passive aggressive towards me just, I don't even know for what, I don't even, I don't really know why. Just taking her frustrations out on me. I'm a very easy target because I'm a people pleaser. So I just was feeling that a lot. And I, I almost every interaction, I feel that. And we are going bowling the the last night there. We're going bowling and a family friend looks at me. I'm, I'm also feeling slightly, slightly less nos- nauseous. And a family friend looks at me and is like, what's wrong? You know, what's going on? And I was just saying to her, I feel like my stepmom is jealous of me and my father's relationship. And I didn't think anybody heard this. I thought only this one person heard this. Maybe I I really don't know who told them, but basically I could could tell an energy shift. When we were leaving the bowling alley, I just knew something was off. So we get back to the house. I am in the living room, and I cannot sleep. I did not sleep that night at all because I knew something was wrong, and I knew that word had gone out that I had said something. And I wake up that morning. I see them and they're giving me the silent treatment all day. All right. We're, we're supposed to get on a plane. We're supposed to go back to keep to Massachusetts. And I just get the silent treatment all day. We go get breakfast. No one talks to me. We are packing up our things. We're going to the airport. We're on a shuttle service. My, dad and stepmom are being, being very kind to strangers that don't even know us. And they're completely ignoring me as if I don't exist. And I didn't think it could get worse. (laughs) I really didn't, but it did. And basically someone did tell them that I had said that about them. And I was just trying to rationalize it in my head. At that point, I was like, wow, why did I say that? What's wrong with me? But looking back at it, if it weren't true, it wouldn't have such a big reaction. So me expressing my truth was not okay for them. And that wasn't okay for me. So we're on the plane. They're ignoring me up until this moment. And we have a baby, so we get to be the first ones on the plane and we sit down first. My dad finally... Finally talks to me that whole day. Finally talks to me and says, What's wrong with you? Why would you say that about your stepmom? You ruined this whole vacation for us. How could you do this? What's wrong with you? I raised you to be better than this. And I'm crying so hard as everybody else is boarding this plane. Alright? I he's publicly humiliating me in such a conscious way that I was so betrayed, so vulnerable after this whole week of just feeling like garbage. And this is what happens. And I'm in straight up survival mode, just like I had been this whole week. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I ruined your whole vacation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of course, I didn't mean it. I just needed to survive this vacation. I need to survive the rest of it. So we finally land in Massachusetts. They drive me to where my car is parked and my my boyfriend and my mom are both waiting for me. And of course after the after the airplane thing everything was normal seemingly. And my dad was even like, Hey, let's let's go get McDonald's. Do you want to go get some dinner? I'm like, God, no, I didn't say that. But I was like, no, I don't. I'll see you later. And I got out of the car. And that was the most relief I've ever experienced in my life. Oh my God. Being with my mom and my partner, I was so fortunate, so glad that they were there for me. I really don't know what I would do if they weren't there for me. And I was just doing a lot of reflecting after I got back. So going back to the cell phone thing, I had fallen off routine. Even thinking about my dad make me, made me very anxious. And the cell phone, I, I still had to call him every other day. And I was I was falling out of routine. So I didn't have the urge to call him, nor did I want to. So with the anxiety, I literally had never had anxiety before that trip until after that trip. And I just had anxiety. <laughs> I literally developed it in that week with them. And it was it was literally that awful. And basically So uh, maybe a couple weeks before this, TMI, but I had a UTI. And I know what UTIs feel like. And I keep having... uh, So basically after the vacation, I felt like I had a UTI. I kept having to pee. I couldn't... And when I would go pee, it would be barely anything. And it would hurt when I peed and all of that stuff. So I knew it was a UTI. And I went to my college's medical, you know, their doctor and they tested my pee and they said, you don't have a UTI. And they asked me, you know, do you know if it could be anything else? Have you been feeling very stressed? And I was like, God, yeah. You know, I just came back from this God awful vacation. So that nurse asking me that question really opened my eyes to the holistic approach of medicine. And treating our bodies like, for example, if you have a, it might not be applicable to every illness, but if you have an illness or anything, or maybe a rash or some sort of something, the thought behind that is it has to do with something mentally that's going on. So basically my anxiety was making me think I had a UTI because I just kept having to pee. And it, it's just wild. So me thinking about, even thinking about my dad, let alone calling him and talking to him, gave me so much anxiety. And basically my cell phone, along with our, our different perspectives of, of jail and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. I, my phone, if you've ever seen Harry Potter, it was a Horcrux. It was something that made me feel really on edge when I when I was even near my phone. And basically one day I left my phone at home. I didn't want to have anything to do with my phone because I had a really heated conversation about these said things, about our uh, our different perspectives on that. And I left my phone at home and it felt very good to be away from my phone. I... I usually never sleep without my phone, and that night I slept with the phone in the other room, and basically at like six thirty-seven in the morning, I just hear my phone ringing and ringing and ringing, and I'm just looking at Cameron like, what is going on? And I go look at my phone, and I basically get like a ton of missed calls and text from my dad and my stepmom saying you know, call us, call us right now, or we're going to call the cops and we're going to call the cops to get them to check on you because we're worried about you. Another manipulation tactic to get me to call them out of fear, uh, so they can control me some more via the cell phone. And I was so over it. I texted them. I'm fine. Do not call the cops. That was the last text I had sent them with that phone. I was so over it. Even though I was a broke college student and couldn't afford a phone, I went and got my own phone anyway. And I went to the post office, put that phone in a little box, shipped it right to them and was like, that's it. I got a brand new phone number. They didn't know my address. They didn't know how to contact me. I did not talk to them for a year after that because I just realized how toxic it was and how miserable my life was when they were in it. So that was basically the first hiatus I had without them. So going down the list, it, w- it had been a year and my sister, you know, she's growing up. And if you know me, I have I've always been an only child and I always yearned and longed for a sibling. I I also love kids and I've always wanted a sibling. So when my my dad and my stepmom were saying that they were having a baby, I was so elated to have you know a little a little sibling that I could call my sibling. <laughs> so basically after a year I was trying to voice memo my dad and it wasn't working. I was trying to Basically I had written a letter that was maybe seven pages filled out front to back, basically a letter sending to my dad to give him context and as to why I wasn't talking to him anymore. So he could know how I was feeling. Basically what he took from that letter was that it was disrespectful that me expressing my feelings and my truth was disrespectful to him. So I knew that that hadn't worked and my my partner said, you know, maybe you could send him a voice memo so he can hear the intonation and genuineness in your voice. And I was like, okay. And I had never sent a voice memo through Facebook Messenger before. And it basically wasn't working. And my dad was just like, come on, Liz, just call me, just call me. And, you know, we we got on the phone and my dad was yelling at me for a while. And I was just like, I'm gonna hang up with you if you don't stop yelling at me. And he eventually stopped yelling at me. Mind you, before this conversation, I felt like I was, I felt like half of me was missing because I didn't have my dad in my life. I felt like a huge part of me was missing. And I was really missing my, specifically my sister and my granny and my dog. I was really, really missing them and i felt like i was missing out a lot and i did call my dad and he after he yelled at me he finally started to calm down and basically i was like i want to see you like tomorrow like can i come up and drive up to cape cod to see you i was also driving every other weekend after i got my license from 17 to about 20 22 or 23 I was driving up there every other weekend so I was doing a lot of driving myself but I did go up there we made amends even then my dad was like do you regret you know taking that year from hanging out with me or I don't get why you didn't talk to me for a year and I was saying you know I needed that time and he still doesn't understand Maybe he does understand, but he's not trying to give it any validity, any any truth into what I was saying. It just seems like a lot of my truth was being denied, which is unfortunate. But I did give in. He didn't think that he didn't understand me at all, and that was rough. But anyways, COVID hit, and... Me and Cameron actually were fortunate enough to buy a house. We bought a house in Connecticut and so, so blessed. It was perfect timing. It was March. Literally, we closed on the house March 28th and it was super, it's right after COVID and we found the house before COVID. So it was really good timing and I bought the house in March, my I hadn't seen my dad because I was so paranoid during COVID. I was so par Not that it's over or anything, but I'm not going to get into that. But I was so paranoid. I didn't even go grocery shopping. I had my groceries delivered to me. I would not leave the house. I worked from home. Cameron would work. You know, he had to go in, but I, I just wouldn't leave the house. And to be perfectly honest, that was convenient for me because I only ever wanted to be with Cameron anyways. So it did work out for me and not to be selfish or anything, but that's just my experience with COVID. So fast forward to October of 2020, and this is my dad's 50th birthday that is coming up. So let's say a few, week, a few weeks before, My dad had invited me to Foxwoods, which is a casino in Connecticut. And he said, you know, it's my 50th. We're going to go to Foxwoods and we're going to go go-karting and all this stuff. And I originally complied and said, you know, it is your 50th birthday. I want to be there and I want to support you. However, me with my paranoia and my fear, I didn't even leave the house to go grocery shopping. So I really didn't want to do that. I talked to him a week later and he says, you know, Liz, if you don't feel comfortable going to the casino, you don't have to, but I am going to go. I'm going to come to your house on the way because he hadn't come to see my house yet. He, he hadn't seen my house. And he said, no matter what, I'm just going to come at the end before we go back home to see your house. And I said, okay, thank you so much for understanding. I really don't feel comfortable going to Foxwoods. Thank you for understanding. I even was getting emotional because I felt guilty that I couldn't be with my dad on his 50th birthday. Because I know that's what he wanted. And I hadn't seen him for so long because of COVID and everything. So that week comes. I talked to him so Basically, they're leaving. They're there for the weekend. They are leaving Monday, and they're gonna visit my house on Monday, on their way to the, on their way back home. And I, I call him the day before. That's his birthday, his actual day, and he knows I'm not coming to Foxwoods. And he says, "Hey, I'm, you know, of course I'm wishing him a happy birthday, and." He says, yeah, no worries. I'm coming to Foxwoods. I'm just going to visit you on the way up tomorrow. Like we had originally planned. And I was like, okay, perfect. I had bought him, you know, a hundred dollar gift that I couldn't afford. We had cleaned the house all weekend because they're so particular and so judgmental. And I didn't want to give them anything to criticize or question or whatever. And I took the day off on Monday. I took Monday off so I could be with them. And Cameron took a half day off so he could be with them. Monday comes. I am not hearing anything from my dad, my stepmom, or my granny. My granny also went with them. And I'm calling everybody. And I'm like, where are you? Are you guys coming? You know, we we kind of cleaned the whole house for you all weekend in preparation for you seeing this house Mind you, more context, my dad was always telling me it's important to build up your credit history so that you're able to buy a house. And, you know, buying a house is the most important thing. And it is the American dream, right, to have a house and a white picket fence and work a nine to five, all that garbage, right? So I I had this huge accomplishment, you know, this house that I really wanted to show my dad. Also, nothing I ever did was good enough. And I I wanted to make my dad proud of me, you know, because I always I always yearned for that validation from my dad that I never really got, to be honest. And I was really hoping I would be able to get some from my house. And because it was something I was super proud of as well. We were both super proud, me and Cameron. And that day comes. I'm not hearing from any of them. Hours later, my granny texts me and says, we're heading to the Cape. Your dad has a headache or a migraine. And, you know, that's fine. You know, I completely understand. Years ago, he had gone to an accident where it was kind of like a Final Destination movie. He was driving on the highway and this truck A big piece of metal flew off of this truck, went through the windshield, hit my dad in the head, like in the temple. Luckily, he's still alive and glass like shattered everywhere. Glass shattered on my baby sister, too. And it was a really dangerous situation. And long story short, my dad has migraines from this tragic accident. So he has a migraine from this accident and my granny is texting me about it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but why couldn't he have texted me that earlier? This is this is way, I knew that they had to be back on the Cape at some point, And this was way, way after the fact that, way after he was supposed to have gotten to my house. And I was just thinking, you know, why wouldn't my dad have text? like, why wouldn't my dad text me that he has a headache? That's completely understandable. If he's not feeling good, you know, let me know. And that's perfectly fine. But this was hours later, hours, hours after the fact, hours after I thought he was going to be here. And I was trying to call my dad throughout that whole week. I called him three times and I did not hear from him at all. No text, nothing. And so that was Monday. Fast forward to Saturday and I'm getting a call at 730 in the morning from my dad and he's just yelling at me. He's just saying, why would you give me such a hard time about me having a migraine? You know, I got into that bad accident. You know, why didn't you come to Foxwoods? Why didn't you come? I was expecting you to come. It was my 50th birthday. Why weren't you there for me? All this stuff. All right. And I was just like, wow, this is really coming out of nowhere. I told you that I wasn't going to Foxwoods because I didn't feel comfortable. And I was planning on you to come to my house Basically just trying to deflect the situation, trying to deflect the blame, because he can't take responsibility, which is fine. You know, I, I completely get it. It is what it is. But I was just having a really hard time understanding. And, well, I really didn't have the patience or space to, to do that for him. I didn't give him that space. So... Basically, we were just both yelling at each other, and I was so fed up anyway. I was so fed up with the relationship anyway, and I hadn't even seen him for so long that I was just like, I'm so over this. And basically, he yelled, fuck you, at me, and I yelled, fuck you, at him, and that's the last I've heard from him. And that's still the last I've heard from him. So I am not perfect. I, I mean, I don't regret anything. But I don't... Basically, if I were to redo that conversation, it wouldn't have gone down like that, and I wouldn't have stooped to that level, if you know what I mean. So after that had happened, I I actually posted on Reddit. Cameron had gotten me into Reddit, and there is a sub, if you're aware of it. It's called AITA, Am I the Asshole? And basically people anonymously post a story or an anecdote about something that happened that they need advice on and they need others to reflect back to them whether they are the asshole or someone else is the asshole so i'm i'm writing down this story on reddit and it's anonymous and i'm i'm talking about the la and vegas trip i'm talking about how my dad you know he's like, low-key manipulating me into feeling guilty that I didn't go to the casino for his birthday even though I told him I wasn't and that he didn't come to my house, all of this stuff. And someone comments, it sounds like he's a narcissist to me. And I didn't really know what that meant until I was really doing a lot of research about narcissism. And I still don't even love that word but basically at that point in my, in my life, I was just feeling so much anger. I felt such a sense of betrayal. I, I took everything so personally. I was like, why would he do this to me? He basically lied to my face my whole entire life. And I was just feeling so betrayed and lost and like my whole life was a lie. (laughs) It was a lot. And also, thank you for listening to this. I, the, the next episodes I promise are going to be much more positive, (laughs) but yeah, I was, I was ruminating a lot about the narcissism thing and I couldn't sleep at night. I really couldn't. I would stay up for hours and I would have to call out of work because I couldn't. I couldn't sleep and it was not healthy for me. So shortly after that, after, you know, that anger was really seeping into my, I don't know why I want to say skin. It was just, see, it was everywhere. I was just such an angry person and I was recognizing different quote unquote narcissistic people that I was seeing around in my life that I was just so angry at because I was so angry with my dad, which low key, I was angry at myself, but we'll get into that later. So if you know me, I love free furniture. This is a weird segue, but I love free furniture. And if I see free furniture on the road, I'm going to be the first one to take it. Not Maybe not a couch or something like that or a bed, but wooden furniture like a TV stand or, you know, a table with chairs, something like that. And about a quarter mile away, there was a moving out sale. And Cameron was telling me, Liz, like, there's a moving out sale. Like, let's go. They have a bunch of furniture and stuff that they're selling. And I'm like, okay, cool and we randomly go to this place and i'm meeting i'm meeting the guy who lives there and his partner who is a woman and basically i meet this girl and she's my she's actually my coach now she's my mentor right now and she has changed my world it's wild she's introduced me to another person who has really, really helped me. I'm hoping that maybe one or both of them will be on this podcast and they can share their experiences and we can talk about how we met. But it was very divine. This this totally random, seemingly insignificant moving out sale basically changed the projection of where my life was going. I... I met her and she was having a bonfire the next day and invited me to the bonfire. And every time I talk to this woman, she makes me cry and everything she says completely resonates with me. And I, I just feel it in my body. (laughs) So she has introduced me to so many people and she's basically the first person who I was able to start my healing journey with a ton of different things. And we're going to get into that later. But it's just wild. She met, she introduced me to my other mentor who is also into plant medicine and is very, she, she is basically someone, I want to have a lot of similar qualities. I don't want to say role model because that, I, I don't think having a role model is super healthy and I do want to talk about that in another episode And the only reason I say that is because when you're putting someone on a pedestal, it's kind of dehumanizing them and has, gives that, we have expectations for these people to be living in the way that we want to. And that's not necessarily healthy. I think we should all, not should, but if you're willing to be your own role model, I think that that's the best way to go about it. She introduced me to Meg, who hosts the IGTV show Love Looks Good on You. And I manifested being on that show. And she's amazing. She's my other coach slash mentor. And she introduced me to Clubhouse, which is a great, great platform. If anybody's interested on Clubhouse, let me know and I'll send you an invite. My Instagram handle, I'll also say this at the end, but my Instagram handle is My B-I-Z, and I'll send you an invite to Clubhouse. But it's basically a place where people can, you don't see anybody's faces, but like-minded people have different, hosts different rooms, and basically you can talk to people from all over the world about anything. It's it's absolutely incredible. The person who was having the moving out sale actually introduced me to the book "How to Do the Work" by Doctor Nicole Lapera, and that book also changed my life. I I highly recommend it. She also um, introduced me to the book called Nonviolent Communication, and it's a way of communicating with others nonviolently. And it's to me, it's crucial for everybody to be learning that book it's it's a really effective way to communicate with everybody no matter what what it is professionally and personally the person who was having the moving out sale introduced me to another person who invited me to this event called sacred nectar or it's not an event it's a it's a place in New Hampshire called sacred nectar sacred nectar sanctuary and it's basically a lovely community that has totally opened my eyes and you know introduced me to a completely new way of living that I just never saw before so on this meeting this person at this moving out sale basically she has showed me what my purpose is and why I'm on this journey and she showed me a lot about spirituality. And I'm not a religious person, never was. I, when I was in high school, I always considered myself agnostic. Like I didn't know what I believed in. But I, oh, I've always said everything happens for a reason. So those were kind of two conflicting ideologies. And I'll definitely get into what I believe in later, if anybody's interested. But Basically, that was my story in a nutshell. And I want to I wanna touch on some of the points that I was saying, because everything that I've gone through is every challenge is an opportunity for growth, right? So every challenge that I've faced basically has given me a purpose for what I am meant to be doing in this lifetime. So I'm going to go down my list. I have a little list of what my purposes are. And the first is to help others and give them the tools I wish I had. And the reason I feel this way is because I really didn't get a lot of help, especially working in my first account. Well, no, my second accounting career. I was starting in a department where there was just the two of us and my boss, my boss, I I there's literally no ill will I don't harbor any negative feelings I'm so thankful that this happened but it was just it was a brand new department and I was the second one of two so I was so lost and I really didn't get any help whatsoever I didn't get a lot of help and I was feeling so lonely had a little cubicle that was really cut off from everybody else, from civilization, in there, and basically that's the reason why I want to help others is because I had I didn't have any help, so that is what I'm doing. If if you feel compelled to write down all the tragic things that have happened to you, they're most likely a reason or yeah, they're, they're most likely a reason why you are the way you are and maybe, maybe shows you what you do because of that, if that makes sense. So because I was needing help in my workplace and I didn't have any, that is why I want to help others and I want to give everybody the tools I wish that I had. So my second purpose is to make others realize they're not alone. And I was an only child growing up and incredibly lonely for most of my life. And my pur- one of my purposes is to make sure that everybody knows that they're not alone. Life is challenging. And I'm not going to say that it's easy. It's not. It. I mean, life is beautiful, but... You know, you can't have the highs without the lows. You can't have the light without the dark. And you need that opposition. And I am here to tell you, you are not alone. And if you feel like you're alone, please, please, please message me. I, I love connecting. I love meeting new friends. And if you do feel that you are willing to reach out to me, please do. Please message me on my Instagram. Healing is my biz. B-I-Z. My third purpose is to share the plant medicine and other modalities to help others on their healing journey. And the reason I want to share this plant medicine is because I was introduced to this plant medicine that has helped me so much on this healing journey. And we're going to go more into that. I'm hoping that my plant medicine woman slash mentor will be on the show and will teach us a little bit about plant medicine. But basically, like I said, when I developed anxiety on on that trip to L.A. and Vegas, I now can relate to others who have anxiety and can say, I've used this to help me with my anxiety. I really think that it can help you as well. And I've already shared the plant medicine with, um, with a few other people and can confirm that it has helped them. And yeah, my, my journey really is to be a medicine woman. <laughs> Sounds cheesy, but it's so darn true. My fourth purpose is to build others up to give them the confidence that they have. I my my coach Meg has told me that I'm like a cheerleader. And I am a cheerleader. I love bringing people up. I love recognizing others accomplishments and just helping others build their confidence because I I feel I have a lot of confidence and I feel everybody could be confident if they were to love themselves unconditionally. So that's part of my purposes is to build others up and be a cheerleader. The reason is because I was always put down. Everything I did was never enough. And I don't, I really don't want others to feel that way. So that is why that is my fourth purpose. My fifth is to love unconditionally. As you can tell, potentially, as you could possibly tell from the stories I've been sharing, is that love for me, people to love me, sometimes was conditional. I had to do X, Y, and Z to get them to be proud of me or love me and People mess up. People make mistakes. It's just, it's just part of being a human, you know? So my purpose on this planet is to love unconditionally. And I mean this so wholeheartedly. I love myself. Therefore, I love each and every one of you. Literally everybody on this planet, I love. It sounds crazy and like I'm a hippie, but I am a hippie. And I to me, the definition of hippie is to, what's my definition? To love others unconditionally. And yeah, yeah, that is my, that is my definition. So boom. My next purpose is to nurture those around me. And part of my healing journey is reparenting. I learned that in the how to do the workbook. And reparenting is so important. It's basically healing your inner child. Everybody has an inner child. And healing that inner child is so important. It's basically being the, own, being the parent you deserve to yourself. So when I say nurture those around me, I'm basically trying to be there, be a support system for those who need it. Even those who don't need it, I'm... I just have a lot of love to give (laughs) and want to be there for as many people as I possibly can, which is another reason why I'm doing this podcast. So it's another modality, another way for me to connect with all of you lovely people. My last purpose on here, it's probably, it's not my last, but it's the last one I wrote down is to help others connect to their intuition. And I've always felt I was very intuitive Cameron will always say, you know, we were, we were driving one night and (laughs) I swear the light was green and I was just driving right through the light. And as soon as I went over the line, it turned green, but it was red. It was actually red. And I just saw the light being green. It wasn't, I don't think it was a trick of the eye, but that's just one example of how I feel intuitive. And Basically, in this society, in this patriarchal society, where we're told to go, 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 don't pause and rest, you got to keep going, you got to do, do, do. And we don't really take a moment to live in the present and literally smell the flowers. We don't, we're always worried about the future or we're always worried about the past and being present and following your heart and your intuition, your intuition is going to give you all of the answers that you'll ever need. And to me, your intuition is in your heart space where a lot of the times we're in our head space. Like I said before, I was talking about me having conflicting ideas about posting this, this podcast about my my father and certain things that he did that just weren't okay. And I was in my headspace. And when my mentor had recommended to get my two mentors actually recommended me to get into my heart space, that is when I found the answers that I needed. And yeah, just trusting myself because honestly, if I were to ask other people, what do you think? Should I be doing this with my podcast? Should I be doing that? It wouldn't be my podcast, Just if that makes sense. This needs to be authentically me. And all of these ideas need to be from me because otherwise I'm, I'm not doing the podcast for myself. And I'm not doing the podcast for all of you lovely people. So, I think that's basically it. I think I'm reaching the similar time to my first recorded one. And even saying this stuff out loud makes me feel so good. I'm doing a lot of healing just by saying it and getting out of me. So if you feel you need to talk to anybody, I am so so here for you. I always respond to my messages on Instagram and I love connecting with people. Those I have met and those I haven't met. So if you do Feel any of this has resonated with you. If you can relate, if you need anybody to talk to, please message me on Instagram. Healing is my biz B-I-Z, and I would definitely get back to you. I'm not sure what the next episode is gonna look like. I'll have to figure out what makes the most sense. But I really, really hope that you enjoyed this and thank you so much for listening to this and taking your time to listen to me. And if you're listening to this, you're totally meant to be listening to this. And I hope that, so this is really the first pod. The first episode is really about me and introducing me. And so you can get to know me and the next episodes are really going to be tools to help you help you on your journey that I've felt have helped me on my journey. So next episodes are going to look a lot different from this and going to be a lot more positive. (laughs) I promise. So I hope everybody has an amazing day or night wherever you are. And thank you so, so much for listening. I love you all so much.